when you make it, which like, how do you define making it? There's really no such thing. You have to define your own, like find your own definition of what making it is. But even when you get the record deal, when you get on the show, that's when a different layer of work starts. Then a, a different layer of the hustle begins. So if you give up after being rejected from like a first round of The Voice, like, come on, no, keep, keep going because that really strengthened me. And I cannot even describe how grateful I am that it didn't work out when I was 15 and it didn't work out when I was 20. And I've like had such a long story, even outside of these shows, living in Nashville for a long time, things happen, you get let on and you get hopeful and you think this is it so many times before it is. But um, you just have to know that that's never going to end. And you have to take your wins and be like, yes, this is a huge deal. Like right now, I'm basking in the glory of getting to announce that I'm on The Voice and getting to be in this process. And you you need to do that and celebrate the things that are going well, because the grind is never going to end in a business like this. It's never going to end. And that's just the name of the game. Hey, friends. Hey friends. It's the Ryan Leckie Show. my jam on and who better to help me rock out in the latest right and lucky show podcast the one and only clark summit native Alyssa lazar also a contestant on season i believe it's now 23 of the voice how's it going girl hi it's going great thanks for having me ryan and this is perfect timing march 28th tuesday another episode of the voice is going to be coming up and we're going to unpack that but we have a lot to tackle i mean I mean, you have been reached out to by so many different media agencies all over the nation and right in northeastern and central Pennsylvania. And people are like, tell me your story, how it's going. So are you ready to unpack all of this? Oh, this is going to be a lot to unpack, guys. All let's right, go. let's do it. Let's do it. First and foremost, we got to back into this story, right? What is so cool, you grew up in northeastern Pennsylvania before you made your national debut on television with this voice of yours. Incredible. It's I. How would you describe your voice? It's like rock. It's a mix of this, a mix of that. Thank you. I, I think I would say rock is really the center of my core, like as a musician and as an artist, but vocally i i think i would say more contemporary pop rock the singers i really look up to would be like gaga bet midler barbara streisand carol king yeah, same so same so i'd say i'd say pop rock same yeah <laughs> i knew we were kindred spirits i love it but let's talk about before we get to the voice and everything you are rocking because you're going to give us a little teaser on why we got to tune in right for the episode on march 28th that tuesday dive into your childhood, right? You grew up in an area not too far from the podcast couch from the Ryan Leckie show, Clark Summit, Pennsylvania, baby. Tell me about your roots. So I grew up in Clark Summit and I grew up with a family that loved music, had a big passion for music. No one was really a musician, but by the time I was four, I started singing in the back of my mom's car to Celine and to Martina McBride, Reba McIntyre, you name it. And 
I immediately grew this passion for music by the time I could speak pretty much. And Clark Summit had always just been a really supportive place of that. I would ask my dance teachers, can I sing a song for the class? My kindergarten teachers and everyone was just always so encouraging. And I mean, that only grew from my childhood. Uh, by the time I was a teen, I was about 14 when I started playing most every bar in the area. So I can only speak so highly of Scranton and of Clark Summit. I would not be the same person had I not grown up there. Yeah, I want to talk about some of those gigs you did all over town, right? Before you took off for Nashville, Tennessee. But I think, and by the way, when you mentioned singing in the back seat of your mom's car to Celine, Reba, and Martina McBride, I'm like, I feel like you and I are kindred spirits. I did the same thing, except oh they would God. turn down the music because they'd be like, can you not sing? Where you, Alyssa, the rock star, they're like, let me hear more. <laughs> they're like, I this kid is a little freaky back here let's <laughs> so let's talk obviously before you made the trip right to nashville to start living your dream getting on nbc's the voice ultimately as you were continuing right singing in the backseat of your mom's car maybe then for the dance instructor how did you end up getting gigs in scranton like where did you start in the scranton area where did you love the play and tell me what your pitch was to be like yo let me get on stage you know, it would it would start as like a family friend or like my grandpa's neighbor being like, hey, would you mind playing like a backyard show? I think that was when I was 14. I played this like full backyard show for a birthday party uh, for my grandpa's neighbor. His name's PJ Duffy. Um, and then I would play the first night Scranton's where it was just word of mouth. Oh, there's this girl who plays keys and she sings. So I would play the first night Scranton's in downtown Scranton. And then my parents were super close with the people at Bush that owned Damon's in Clark Summit. Before it was Tully's, it was Damon's. Mm -hmm. And they were like, well, you just give my give my daughter a chance to play here. She's like 15, but she could she could sing Elton. She could sing Gaga, whoever. Just give her a shot. And them taking a chance on me like that would just like it would just kind of move by word of mouth from like venue to venue. Then it would catch on to like Andy Gavin's that I was playing these shows. It's really just the sense of community. I love that. And a lot of the places I visited back in the days when I could stay up past like nine or 10 o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You have such a talent, Alyssa, on the piano. I want to find out how did you learn to play the piano and what other instruments do you play? So I also play guitar, a little ukulele. I pull out the harmonica for Piano Man, um, but piano is definitely my true passion instrumentally. Um, I always just had like toy keyboards as a kid and I would just like be obsessed with them and never get off them. And then finally someone was just giving away this piano for free and it's still in my childhood home. So when I was in about I want to say third grade, we got that piano put into my house and I would just be playing on it nonstop. I think the first song I learned was Home Sweet Home by Motley Crue when I was seven or eight. <laughs> A family friend had taught me it and then just I would teach myself by ear, but then I started taking lessons with a woman named Kathy Shevsky and it just became a passion of mine 
almost as much as singing and songwriting is. And take me through, you start rocking stages in the Scranton area. Obviously, you started playing in local restaurants at 15, right? What happened after some of those local gigs? And describe to me the conversation you had with your family when you said, you know what? I'm going to go to Nashville and I'm going to go shoot my shot. Yeah. Um, crazy enough, that's a conversation that never necessarily took place. I think by the time I was 10, I knew that I wanted to move to Nashville to pursue music. I was looking at Taylor Swift. I was looking at Faith Hill and knowing that they took a chance and moved to Nashville. Taylor Swift also being from Pennsylvania, being a huge person I looked up to, um, still do to this day. But um, we took a trip to Nashville when I was 12 or 13 and I just fell in love with it. And I knew after high school, as soon as I can, that I needed to go make a mark in Music City. They just always fully supported that. And describe then when you got to Nashville, what did you do before we got to The Voice? Walk me through, because you always hear these crazy stories, right? People go to Nashville and they're waiting tables. They start performing on a stage and then boom, somebody spots them and recognizes them. And then it's like record deal, right? <laughs> right, right. That's a... Uh... I, I wish that were still the case. Yeah, Unfortunately, yeah. now it's like, ooh, look at that TikTok that took off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, anything and everything was happening the second I moved to Nashville and before that. Before that, it was just writing, playing shows. I moved to Nashville. It was just doing that on a larger scale. But at 17, 18, I was like, I don't, I don't know if just moving to Nashville as this teenager and not having a plan is the best idea. I'm going to go to college. So I went to Belmont University School of Music and I got my degree in commercial music and songwriting. But meanwhile, I was playing shows, playing anywhere I can. And when you first get to Nashville, especially, you're lucky if you could play a writer's round and get to play like two or three songs. And obviously, you're not getting paid. Nashville is not necessarily the first place you're going to get paid well to play music because it's so concentrated in musicians but i would just take any and every gig and i think playing piano really made me stand out because most everyone's a guitar player here so i would just kind of get these unique opportunities and keep plugging away every day and take me through i always am interested in to hear some of the the jobs people had what was the craziest gig that you were doing obviously some of the music gigs weren't paid but what'd you do to like keep the lights on in your apartment my freshman year was probably the <laughs> the most hilarious one. Um, I worked at a burger bar that I could walk to from Belmont where I went to school because I didn't have a car there. And so my least favorite class at Belmont was women's choir. It was just like after an exhausting day of these music theory classes, you have to go sit in a room with like a hundred people and just sing this like super loud, like, choiry music. Obviously, I love music, but I just, I'm not built for that kind of setting. <laughs> and I hated this burger bar job so much that I would be wishing my lucky stars that class would get extended so I didn't have to go to work. But um, yeah, after school, I would be going to waitress and going to, you know, run food and stuff. Um, and that's not my last job working in Nashville, just music. I mean, I worked at like this guitar gallery. I worked at a bakery for a very long time, Five Daughters Bakery, and I love them. Anyone that goes there loves them. Um, 
I even worked at the Ryman Auditorium right before the pandemic hit. I was an usher at the Ryman Auditorium, which is a place I dream about playing someday. And so I got to just see anyone from Lizzo. My 21st birthday, I worked so that I could see Lizzo, the Beach Boys, um, you name it. I saw so many shows that year and got paid to do it. It was the coolest gig until the world shut down and then I didn't have a job. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was just crazy how that impacted so many different professions, especially those in the entertainment industry. I want to fast forward because I know people who listen to this, who watch this, they're like, don't bury the lead anymore. So how the heck did you end up getting your way to auditioning for The Voice? And was that actually like the first show you ever went after? I know I've heard other stories from people on similar shows, like they went after American Idol first, then this show, then this show. Like walk me through that and, and why you said like, gosh, I got to give this a go. And how did you do it? Gosh, I had, I've gone after every single show. I've gone to Pittsburgh with my dad for call, callbacks for The Voice, just to like sing 30 seconds of a Lady Gaga song to, for them to be like, you're giving too much Gaga. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a blonde chick playing piano. Like, sorry, I've done the American Idol thing. Um, and that didn't work out. And like, I've, I've done the callbacks and you know, it's like, traumatizing enough not even making it to the show but you just have to know it's not personal it's a show and you just have to keep trying but i don't want to say i gave up on the shows being my route but i just kind of was like maybe that's just not my avenue um i don't think that i need to do that so i just kind of forgot about auditioning for them for a while but then i saw that i could virtually audition for the voice that sounds super easy like why not? They're probably not going to see my audition. And then a couple months later, I get an email. Hey, like we want to interview you. And then a couple weeks, no, a couple more months later, I get a call that I'm invited out to the blind auditions. So it just felt like a huge prank after, you know, being burnt, what felt like being burnt from these shows for about 10 years. Cause I first started auditioning for these shows when I was about like 13, 14, wow. as soon as I could, I started. Um, and, you know, like you get to know the producers along those ways. And it, it seems like, yes, there are like hundreds of thousands of people who audition, but it's also a small world. And there are only so many people working on these things that like, they're like, okay, like I, I remember this girl from her audition when she was like 15. So like, eventually you almost build more of like this kind of, persona with them of like oh, she has been going at this for a long time let's do it you're like the little engine that could but you were the little rock star who could because you just never gave up and you just kept going and going and going that's showbiz baby <laughs> yeah it, because even, even when you make it which like how do you define making it there's really no such thing you have to define your own to, like find your own definition of what making it is but even when you get the record deal when you get on the show that's when a different layer of work starts then a, a different layer of the hustle begins so if you give up after being rejected from like a first round of the voice like come on no keep keep going because that really strengthened me and i cannot even describe how grateful i am that it didn't work out when I was 15 and it didn't work out when I was 20. And I've like had such a 
long story, even outside of these shows, living in Nashville for a long time, things happen, you get let on and you get hopeful and you think this is it so many times before it is. But um, you just have to know that that's never going to end. And you have to take your wins and be like, yes, this is a huge deal. Like right now, I'm basking in the glory of getting to announce that I'm on The Voice and getting to be in this process. And you you need to do that and celebrate the things that are going well because the grind is never going to end in a business like this. It's never going to end, and that's just the name of the game. And walk me through, so you finally get accepted, right, to come on the show, you're doing stuff. What happens, like, for people who are unfamiliar with the behind-the-scenes magic of the show? Because it's not like they just finally pick you and be like, oh, this is the girl, you know, some of the producers might remember you from other shows, you know, or other tryouts, right? And then they're like, okay, go on the stage and perform. Tell me about behind-the-scenes. Like, what do you actually got to do before you take the stage and actually you're performing and you're a part of the show? Right. I mean, there is so much more to it than you see on the screen, can't remark too much on everything, but you know, you're practicing your song for weeks. You're getting to know all the other contestants. You're, you know, interviewing and picking what you're going to wear. So much more goes into it than a, like a three minute clip that airs. Um, so you're, you're emailing for so long that it doesn't even feel like it's really going to happen. I didn't think it was really going to happen until I got my flight confirmation that I was being shipped out to LA. So, I mean, to anyone who plans to audition for these things, just know that so much more goes into it than you would think. And speaking of the show, right, when you watch these shows, there's all these montages and clips of the singers and the backstory and this or that. There was a lot of buzz around northeastern Pennsylvania, specifically around where you grew up. I was connected to you by some mutual people we know, somebody who works on my team, Abby. Shout out to her for introing us because you're an Abington Heights graduate. So some oh, people Abby. on my team. Yeah. yeah so people on, people on my team were like, you know. Because people have your back in this area, and that's what I love. Everybody is rooting for no. you. Everybody wants you to win. And I think what was amazing, people were miffed when they're like, you know what? She didn't get the airtime she deserved. I feel like her montage, the video montage they play of this rock star, it was cut down significantly. Why didn't she get the airtime she was supposed to? What happened with that? I can, I was just as miffed and felt just as burned. I mean, probably more. I, I absolutely, I was so grateful that people were angry for me and were rooting for me because obviously I put everything into that performance and there are interviews and all this stuff that like you, you don't get the airtime for and ultimately that that will burn me and growing in Instagram following and getting people to listen to my music but it's again it's showbiz baby and it's it's a tv show and you don't know Timing wise, things just got cut and that's what happened. Timing wise, I guess things just got cut. Storyline wise, things just get cut. And it just so happened I was the only one. But that's that's how these things go. And of course, everyone's looking out for you on another round of The Voice, March 28th, 2023. Can you give us any teasers or a heads up? Like, why watch tonight? So you guys should definitely be watching this week. This Monday and Tuesday, The Voice is going to be back on. It's battles rounds, which means person 
number one versus person number two on team chance or on team plague so it's going to come down to being like the teams are going to get basically cut in half so anticipate some some crazy chaotic duets that are just going to be gorgeous and exciting and exhilarating and next week and this week you might see a familiar face all right that's a little good teaser and of course a lot of people caught you know the one clip that we were all watching and listening to is when you sang paul mccartney's maybe i'm amazed right it's just incredible right. and then that's when chance the rapper boom it was like he didn't even flinch he's like i want her on my team what did that feel like what went through your head oh my gosh in that moment I, i'm just like play the chromatic scale correctly please like that's chance the rapper staring at you right now ignore it ignore it ignore it <laughs> um it's just this mix of relief because ultimately when you're going to that door to walk out onto the like nbc universal stage you're like impending doom this could really this could not have a good ending potentially um but i'm also so excited to perform and like the audience there really is a live audience are so like encouraging and so like cheering you on i look to the right i see my family so like i took a deep breath and lucky for me i was playing keys so i kind of got to take the time i needed not that i took more than like five seconds but i got to decide when the song was going to start because i was the first instrument playing but you know you're just trying to keep your cool and you're trying to stay in the song and in the performance and not think about what people are thinking and not think about oh my gosh chance has turned am i like am i gonna get kelly clarkson to turn now you just had to stay in it do you ever talk to any of the other judges like get to interact with them yeah yeah we we did get to interact with them uh just because you know they they don't show entire conversations that are happening when you're on that voice stage so so yeah i even like i got to go up and hug them all which was amazing um and i'm also super close with the other contestants so i got to get to hear about like what each coach was like to work with which has been so cool and for people who don't follow the show constantly like what is the end goal if you're a contestant on the voice if you can explain it so the end goal of this show is the coach wins and you win like you have this mentor the whole time so like say i win then chance and i both win and he's coaching you and he's like giving you giving you your feedback um helping you pick out the right songs so it, it's it's just a game of staying as long as you can and whoever stays the longest what do they get they get a record deal and the hundred thousand dollars all right. So a pretty big one. Yeah, I wanted you to explain it because you know the show inside and out. You know, what's so interesting when you mentioned you've been performing, obviously, from the backseat of your mom's car, right, to your grandfather's friend's birthday party, all that stuff. What yeah. what were your nerves like when you actually got on that NBC Universal stage to sing and really do your thing? I mean, do you get nervous anymore when you sing because you've been doing it for so long in front of people in Nashville and all these big platforms? Like, Walk me through, what did you actually physically feel like before you started hitting the keys? Yeah, um, since it was such like an, you know, this unfamiliar environment and you just know that like these four huge names are turned around, like they're right there, but you can't see them. 
I've never had a scarier performance than that, obviously, and I don't think I ever will, just because, you know, like, it's not just a performance, it's an audition, and you're gonna get your result right then and there, but um, I think I will always get a little nervous with certain performances, like, if it's this family, friends, like, I'm just playing a song and having fun kind of thing, the nerves aren't gonna be there so much, it's gonna be more just excitement, but I mean, when you're like kind of presenting yourself to a new audience that isn't necessarily an audience of fans, it's an audience of people who are getting to know you, that's when the nerves are there. Honestly, I um, I performed at my high school for, my principal was leaving high schools. Um, this is just this December. And my high school had me and a few people who were in Les Mis in 2017 come back to perform for this principal and surprise the school. And I think I was just as nervous then as I was at the blind audition stage, just because it's like this weird environment and it's all these high schoolers that like, I like don't know, don't know will like me. And it's, it's just like, I learned to man my nerves so much through the voice process. And that is like one of the coolest things to come from it and it's really just a game of getting out of your head and like knowing like how important are you everyone else is more focused on them themselves than they are on you maybe not so much during your blind audition but in general like just be you and get out of your own way and i'm just curious because i think when i think nerves right you think butterflies in your stomach when people get nervous public speaking they talk really 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 fast what happens to you as a musician and as a singer did it impact your your vocal cords were you making sure were you worried you weren't going to be on pitch like you're definitely worried about that a little but you have drilled the song so many times that it's almost just like a if I, I I would drill the song like in my room with headphones in playing a different song, like playing like Metallica. So it's like the most chaotic thing happening and sing the song so that like what came out of my mouth was just a no brainer. But still, when you're in that environment, like your breath is really hard to keep under you, at least for me. I think that's one of the first things that goes with nerves is like your breath moves from down here to up here and you're just like, <sighs> definitely a little shaky in the knees and like maybe hands too which makes it hard with playing piano but like you've drilled it so many times that even if you're a little shaky it's still going to come out well and i think the biggest thing to point out that so many people from your hometown of Clark Summit, Pennsylvania, you're so proud of, is not only have you really started carving yourself out right in this national spotlight, you get this shot on the voice, but you've been working so hard behind the scenes on original music. Tell me, what can we expect? So if you were to roll out an album in a year, just throwing this out there, what kind of original music can people expect from Alyssa? How I frame myself is piano-influenced pop rock. I like to think it's like, Gaga meets Elton meets ABBA and I'm always gonna have like this eccentric um, theatrical sort of vibe in my music. Um, I like to think it's very eclectic but my original music is where like my heart is like really lies in being a songwriter because those are my words and that's everything I mean. I think it's the same with Paul McCartney whose song I sang and like my idols like billy joel elton john they are who they are because of their music and i think 
that essentially I always want my music to be more important than me and whatever whatever story I have going on. You know, I always want it to be about my music. So are there a lot of breakup just, songs or like <laughs> give me a teaser? What do you think? Um, more short-lived situationship songs than anything. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, I would say I I write a lot about heartbreak, but I I write I think more than most writers about um chase chasing this dream and like following your heart and like being bold. So all my songs are not about romance necessarily. I definitely write about it a fair amount though. And when did you actually start releasing some of your own stuff? The first time I actually released a body of work i was in eighth grade and it was just this acoustic album of eight original songs um some with me playing piano some with me playing guitar and i think some people who bought them on itunes probably still have them i tried so hard in the last few years to wipe them from the surface <laughs> i was actually ready to go to my phone and look for them but yeah <laughs> oh gosh ryan please don't <laughs> would you want to pull up your like diary from when you're 12 years old and listen to yourself vocalize it absolutely not absolutely the heck not but it's a great um, it's a great way to see how far you've come but i think if you dropped your first album right in eighth grade i'm sure you probably wrote a song before that so what was the first song you ever wrote and what was it called give me a little taste of it even if you want to sing like a, a little line go ahead the first song i ever wrote was kindergarten first grade <laughs> i think it was called be yourself it was like be yourself not like me it had like a verse i think it was very dolly parton-esque to be honest <laughs> but the first full song i wrote that i was like damn i think i could go somewhere with this was when i was 11. i wrote it about this boy who i had class with who i was just in love with who would tell me about this girl that he was in love with all the time um and it won it took like first place in the state I want to say for this like program called the reflections program that a lot of people a lot of schools in Pennsylvania do and I still get questions about this song to this day like people still remember me like playing this in middle school and hearing it and you know what I think that made it really not scary to sing anything because there's never going to be a more brutal time than middle school when it comes to songwriting right right and obviously you know you dropped the original album right i think when you said in eighth grade and you tried to scrub the internet of that that album or that work but if people want to check out your original work now where can we find it you can find my original work on all kinds of different streaming platforms every single one itunes spotify just look up my name Alyssa lazar and you'll find a body of work called hopeless romanticism that is a full ep i released and you'll also find some singles. And we want to point out it's Alyssa Lazar, L-A-Z-A-R. All right, this has been such an amazing chat, but before we wrap it up, I'm just curious because you've learned so many life lessons along the way. Ultimately, how do you think this appearance on The Voice is setting you up for the next chapter in your life? I think I've, I'm taking so much that I'm, I'm learning in the process about my own nerves getting out of my own way and diving into what makes you unique and what makes you the artist that you are and really like building from that rather than comparing yourself to others um 
I think that the universe leads you in the ways that it's supposed to, like the good, the bad, the ugly, and things just work out in the craziest ways. So I'm gonna, you know, take everything I learned from that and my relationships with all the other contestants and like, you know, everything you've taken from this process to build myself as an artist and continue to write and release music. And were there any little gold nuggets or Easter eggs that Chance the Rapper sprinkled into you during some of your interactions that you're like, man, that's good? I think the main thing that he what he, that he said in the episode coming up was pretty much be yourself, know what makes you special, dive into that. And he's so right to say that. And that is just something I will remember forever. I felt really heard by chance even when he picked me and I didn't know this until I watched the episode, him saying she has a really unique voice. She's the only one that does rock. It was really nice to feel seen and recognized in that way. And so I think the main thing I'm gonna take is like, I'm not gonna try to out, you know, like outrun a singer that like sings these like crazy runs and they're not gonna try to out, you know, piano rock girl me. It's just this, this idea of really loving what makes you unique. I love that. And you know what I love? is that I can totally tell you are from northeastern Pennsylvania because you are <laughs> you are real you have your heart in what you do and the farther you go or whatever you go after I know everybody back in your home state of Pennsylvania your hometown of Clark Summit PA the Scranton area the more you just keep living your dream the louder we clap for you thank you and I really feel so fully supported by my hometown. I don't think any other contestant can say that they've received the love and support through their entire lives that I have. And I am so grateful that it is recognizable that I am from Northeastern Pennsylvania. <laughs> you're just so great to chat with, but you're also so talented. And I'm thinking the whole time while you're talking, I'm like, I wonder if she could do a jingle on the fly for the Ryan Lecky show. Come on, you've been on national TV, you know what you're doing. Let me see, what do you got for the Ryan Lecky show? Give it to me, girl, come on. Well, all right, keyboard, keyboard on. It's the Ryan Lecky show. <laughs> I love it. Look, we are so proud of you. Tune in to catch <laughs> Alyssa Lazar on season 23 of The Voice. Appreciate your time. And from everybody in Pennsylvania, Northeastern Pennsylvania, where you grew up, keep crushing it. You make us proud. Thank you. Thank you so much.